mean, I don't, I don't know what your experience is like um, when, when it comes to, to prayer and to fasting. Um, I don't know what comes to mind when, when you hear those words. For some of you, man, maybe you, maybe you had like really bad experiences. And so um, you don't have a love-hate relationship. You just kind of have a hate-hate relationship with it. Like, you know, you, you hear that and you're like, I don't want anything to do with that. Others of you, man, maybe, maybe you, you hear prayer and fasting and, and, and you're curious Maybe you've, you've never stepped into it yourself or you've never experienced like much fruit in your life, if you're being honest, but, but you've heard others talk about it. Maybe you've heard rumblings of people in, in your house church or in our community and you've seen some cool things happen in their life, but you've never experienced it yourself. Some of you, maybe you, you come into this place and, and you've been fasting and, and praying you know, more um, repetitiously the past couple years and it's become a part of your life. And some of you, maybe you've been doing this for a long time. And, and so when you hear seasons like this, you just kind of come into it with an expectation where you know, you know, as you draw from the past and you look at the, the times where you've really sought God, like really, you know, prioritized the Lord and you've seen the way that it's benefited your life and, and you're, you're excited. And so we come into this in, in all different places. I want to just kind of share a little bit about my journey. Um, you know, I grew up not really knowing much about fasting. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, in a, in a church that preached Jesus, but the reality is that we didn't really talk about fasting and we, we didn't do it as a, as a church family. You know, if you were to ask me kind of growing up, I would say like, you know, fasting is, you know, it's kind of obsolete. It's not really something followers of Jesus do. Uh, my first time really learning about biblical fasting was in college. And my first time trying it was then. Um, a couple different times throughout my four years of college. And then out of college, um, the next two years, I, I fasted some. But then really I went on kind of a, a, a six month hiatus or a six year hiatus from fasting because honestly, it's hard. Like, and there's, there's not really much fun that, is, that comes from denying yourself and, and stepping into these seasons. And so really, like when I would think about prayer and fasting, I was like trying to run as far from that as I could. And then six years ago, our, our church family started to, to set aside a, a month, the beginning of the year to, to pray and to fast. And I just, and I, and, I, and I tell you this, my story, because I want you to understand that we're not experts. Like I'm not an expert. I'm a person in process when it comes to this. I'm not someone who stands up here who's been doing this faithfully for 30 years and has all this fruit. I'm going, man, I, it has been a struggle for me and I've seen some really good things come from it and, I've, and it's been really challenging too. And so what I wanna do the next couple of weeks as, as we move into the fast, a week from tomorrow, is, is really kind of talk about fasting from the biblical perspective this week and then next Sunday to try to hopefully bring it down more to like a, the, 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 the real life, like challenges and struggles and why do we do this? And so, um, but I, I wanna begin like this, you know, when um, Courtney and I, a few years ago, um, we celebrated our 10-year wedding anniversary and we decided to, to celebrate 10 years of marriage by going to the Dominican Republic. A great choice for us, we had a lot of fun and we saved up for it and had this great trip. And, you know, in-laws were keeping the kids. And so we're just, you know, living it up, like no responsibility, like no work, no kids, sitting on the beach, watching the waves roll in, just getting to read books and, and talk. And it was just so much fun. And I remember we were coming out of our room one day to go to the beach and one of the workers at the, the hotel stopped us and they said, hey, would you like a massage? And I'm like, right now? Like, I do not want you to massage my shoulders. Like, and she's like, no, like, do you, like our hotel, we're doing this thing where we give, you know, they'll give free massages to the, the people who are staying here. And I'm like, 
I would love that. I would love for someone to rub on my shoulders. And so I'm like, yeah, we're interested in that. She's like, okay. She gave us this card. She said, hey, just call this number, set it up. And so we call, you know, we, we call the people and they said, oh, great. All right. So we, the way this starts is we're going to have breakfast and then we'll, you know, have the massage. So we soap up breakfast and you're having to find time. The whole time I'm just thinking, I'm just ready for the massage. Like, I'm, let's get rid of the eggs. I want to just go eat. I'm, I'm ready for massage. And so, you know, they, we, we sit there for about 45 minutes and it's just this nice conversation. And, and they said, okay, hey, we have one more stop before we get to go to the massage. And so we go into this big room and we realize that we're sitting down with about 50 other couples and the, this, this large room. And we start to realize, oh, they're trying to sell us something. Like, and for the next hour, this really polite you know, native is sitting across from us and he's trying to convince us, hey, if you will just pay, you know, $30,000, you can come back every year. And it's just like, hey, number one, we don't have that money. Number two, we don't want to do that. Number three, we're not committing. And he was just relentless. Like he would not let us say no. And so we're sitting there and, and, and I'm like, all right, brother. I'm like, hey, we're here. We just want the massages. And that we got into this for massages, not for this. And so he's like, okay, you know, literally about an hour later, um, after just this constant back and forth, he goes and gets his boss. And his boss is this, no joke, this like six, five, very large man. His biceps are bigger than my head. And he's wearing a cutoff t-shirt, all these chains. And he sits down at the table and he looks at court and I, and he basically is saying like, you're going to do this. And, you know, none of you are looking at me going, he's probably a street fighter. Like Brandon probably had a past in MMA, you know, like none of you are looking at me going, that guy could take anybody. He probably can't defend his own family. You're like, I know what you're thinking. And, and, and so there's this guy who's super intimidating and he's bulging his biceps. And I don't know what it was, probably the spirit of God, but just something swelled up inside of me. And I looked at this dude and I'm like, we just want the massages. And then we enter into a conversation with this guy for about 30 minutes. And, 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 I'm, and, and I finally, I'm just like, listen, dude, we're not doing it. Give us some massages or we're getting out of here. And Court's like, let's just go. And by this point, I'm like, no, like we're, we're this far in, like I'm getting the massages out of this. And, and by the time we got out of that room, I needed like the massage because I'm so tense. And we finally, you know, we got out of that room is one of them just, you know, Courtney's looking at me with googly eyes. Like I'm so proud of you for standing up to that guy. And anyways, and, and so I, I tell you that story because I want you to know that like, you're not gonna be bullied in or pressured into fasting. Like, we're, we're, we're not going to stand at the door and be like, what's your plan this year? And you can't leave until you tell us what you're doing. And it, it's not mandatory, like, to be part of our church family. And, and I want to just say that because I think sometimes when you talk about things like this, that probably for the most of us are foreign and uncomfortable, it, like, it can feel that way, like, you know, you, you can feel shame. You can feel like you're being bullied into it. And I go, man, I, I believe that, that the spirit and, and the heart of praying and fast, it can't be something that is forced. And it's, it can't be something that is mandatory. And, and my hope is that over the next couple of weeks is that what God allows us to do is, is for, for us to see the beauty in fasting. That there's just this genuine desire inside of us where we look at our lives and, and we go, man, I want more of God. And that the, the, the choice that, that, that you're gonna have to make, that I'm gonna have to make is to willingly step into it. Because if you do it for any other reason, if you do it because you know, pressure that the community's doing or pressure from, that you feel from me, or like, it's gonna be an absolute bust that, that the posture of stepping into this is going, you know what? It's, a, it's an invitation 
Because if, if you will accept the invitation, then you'll get the fruit from it. And so today what I wanna do is I wanna look at the first time that we, see, that we see fasting come up in the Bible. The very first story that we, that we, look, that we encounter fasting. I think it's important the, the, that, you, that you look, you take notice of the first time that you see something in the Bible. And I think it's interesting because um, it doesn't come in the form of a command. Uh, it's not God saying, you know what? Gary, you better fast. <laughs> like, it's not one of the 10 commandments. <laughs> No, the, the first time that fasting comes up is actually in a person's life story. In fact, it's an unexpected moment. It, it wasn't something that, that they had prepared for ahead of time. It wasn't something that, that they knew was coming. They were just walking with God in relationship. And then all of a sudden they find themselves in the middle of this fast. And, and honestly, I think this is pretty cool because it's a familiar passage if you've been tracking with us for a while. Do you know the very first time that you see fasting in the Bible? Does anyone know? Exodus 34. And when I realized that, I'm like, oh, that's really crazy. We spent all fall looking at Exodus 34. These two verses where, where God looks at Moses and, and he tells him his name. You know, God's name is not God. His name is Yahweh. It's his personal name. So you came in, we're singing Yahweh, Yahweh. You're like, what in the world are we singing? What kind of church is this? And that's his name. And it's in that same story, that same moment. You know, we were concentrated on verses five, six, and seven, but the very end of that chapter, Exodus 34, verse 28, throw that slide up. This is what it says. It says, Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the 10 commandments. And I love this because, you know, for, for Moses, he just went up the mountain because God told him to come up there. And for some reason, God chose for, for food not to be a part of this moment. You know, Moses didn't like pack his trail mix and, and he didn't come ready. Like he didn't know what to expect that, that he's really relying on the Lord's hospitality. He's coming up the Lord's mountain. You know, if you go to someone else's house at dinner time and they don't serve you dinner, you're like, what's going on? This is kind of weird. And, and he finds himself in the middle of this, this situation. He came up to get God. God chooses for food not to be a part of it. And, 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 and this story this week, it doesn't really talk about the struggle of fasting it doesn't humanize it really. It just mentions that he doesn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights. We're gonna get into that some next week. But today what I wanna do is I just wanna look at what actually occurred in fasting. Just offer a few observations. Five observations of things that came out of this 40 days and 40 nights praying and fasting. So the first thing that comes out of this, I believe that we see in this story is, is that there's closeness with Yahweh. If you're a note taker, the first thing that we see is that, that the first thing that comes out of this, this season of prayer and fasting is closeness with Yahweh. And this is verses five through seven, what we were in all last spring, but I'll read it today. It says, the Lord came down in the cloud and he stood there with him and he proclaimed his name, the Lord. The, the Lord there is, is the name Yahweh in Hebrew. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, or Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness maintaining love to thousands of forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents of the third and fourth generation. Go listen to the podcast that Andrew talked about for those last few verses. It's kind of confusing, but there's some richness to it. And here's what I want us to see, that, that what's going on here is the Lord is letting Moses in on who he is. Moses gets to really know 
Yahweh. He's close to him. You know, this is the way that we talk about our, our, our relationships, that we go, man, I'm, I'm close with my mom or I'm close with my sister. Or, or you describe a season of life, man, in college I was super close. Or maybe you went on some grand trip or road trip and you go, man, we got close in that time of life. Closeness. It's about how often and how openly you talk and connect with someone, how much you enjoy them. Closeness is marked with, with love and trust and a desire for greater depth. And, and I go, think about who are you close to right now? You're close to people that open up to you, close to the people that you reach out to, you, people that you talk to on the phone, the people that you spend time with. And I love this because I go, man, are, are we close to God? Like, really, think about that. Are you do you really know God? You know, what I love about this moment is, is, is God, like he, he tears the veil away. He wants to see, he wants Moses to actually know him. I think about my wife and I, our, our just kind of journey, you know, started dating when I was a sophomore in college. And over time, man, we, we continued to let the guard down. We didn't just on our first date, hey, here is everything about me. It's like, that is not a good move, right? Like over time though, where there's trust and relationship, God, you, you let the person in. And I love this because this is what God does. He lets us all the way in in his heart. Moses was close to him. Are you close to God? Like Really? Do you enjoy talking to him? Is, is, he, is, is the Lord your refuge, the place where you run when you've had a hard day? Do you know his heart? Do you know what he's like? Do you, do you long for his voice in your life? And, and I'll just be honest. Like, I don't feel super close to the Lord right now. And a big part of that is because I've just been distracted by a lot of other things. I've been watching a lot of football. Thank goodness the Titans and the Packers lost. The incentive to watch football has went down a ton. Amen, right? And, 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 but, but in all seriousness, I go, man, I don't want you to come here going, man, you know, Brandon's just always on. I'm not always on. It's like I'm having a hard time hearing the Lord. My heart is, is not beating just in step with him right now. And there are seasons where I'm close and there are seasons where I'm not close. And, 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 and I go, no matter where you are, I believe that, that, that there are all these lies that the enemy just tries to sprinkle in our ears, put in our heads. One of the lies that I believe he speaks is, man, you can't have closeness with God. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you actually believe that? Maybe it's because of like your past, your sinful past, your shameful past. And you go, man, there is no way that God would ever want to be close to someone like me. And that's a lie from the enemy. It's the complete opposite. Jesus spent time with the most sinful, messed up, ostracized people in this world. <laughs> people who didn't have it figured out. His life, not just his teaching, was proof that he desired to be close to sinful people who didn't have it figured out. So one of the lies the enemy speaks is, hey, you know, you can't be close to God because of your life. Your choices, your past, it's just baloney. The other lie that I think the enemy speaks is that you've already arrived. And there are some seasons where I go, you know what? I'm good on God. Like I'm full, I'm spending time with God in the morning. I'm in house church, you know, I'm loving people. And, and if I'm just being honest, it's like, I don't, there's, there's not more there. I don't, I, I don't feel like there's anything else for me to, to fill up on God. And I just was thinking about, man, what is the most beautiful thing you've ever seen? What's the most beautiful place you've ever been? Someone just blurted out. What's the most beautiful place you've ever been? Beautiful thing you've ever seen? Alaska. Thanks, Becca. Thanks for going first. What was beautiful about it? Very cool. What else? What's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen? Norway. 
What about it? Okay. Wonderful. What else? Okay. What about it? What else? What is it? Hawaii. Hawaii. Why? One more. What's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen? Why? Yeah. So... Think about this. You saw something beautiful, and then did you go, you know what, I'm good now. <laughs> like, don't ever need to see anything else beautiful again. I'm just going to just kind of chill. Or did it kind of awaken in you this like, I wonder what else is out there. Like, man, I, I want to see other beautiful things. You know, this is not the most spectacular thing I've ever seen. We throw up that picture real fast. I love this picture. So that's my daughter, Merritt, my son, Jones. And I don't know if you can see this, but this is a baby fawn, like a day-old fawn. And my kids put a little chicken wire around it. Don't worry, they moved it. Um, but they, Courtney sent me this picture at work one day that this, you know, we, we live right next to six acres of woods and this mama deer had this baby and the baby literally came and was hanging out under our tree house. And I came home from work and I'm just like, five feet away from this baby fawn. And it's amazing. And, 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 and you can take that picture down. And, and I go, man, there's something about the, 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 the beauty and the wonder and the, the things in the creation that just reveal something inside of us that they stir up this longing in us to, to see more. And I go, man, if, if you think that you've arrived with closeness with God, you've got all that you can. I go, think about the, the one who created the vastness in Norway in the Philippines, and the one who created, how much greater, how much more does he have to offer? If we could spend our whole lives searching this planet and traveling and taking in the beauty, how much more the one who not just thought of it but spoken into existence? And what I love that we see in Exodus 34 is in the season of prayer and fasting that, that God wanted there to be a closeness that formed. And there's, more, there's a closeness with God waiting for you on the table to know him more. Second thing I think that we see in this, this, this season of prayer and fasting in, in verses eight and nine is this, that there's a confession of sin. Listen to these words. Right after God tells him his name, this is what Moses says in verse eight. Moses bowed down to the ground at once and he worshiped. Lord, if I have found favor in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. Listen to this. Although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and our sin. Forgive our wickedness and our sin. You know, I, I, I love that humility in Moses. That he, he takes ownership in what he's done. You know, I think one of the most important parts of being in relationship is that, is that for you to be able to admit when you're wrong, to say you're sorry, you know, it's one of the things that, that when Courtney will mess up or when I will mess up and, and we'll say our sorry, there is something that powerful that happens in that moment. 
And when we're so prideful and we pretend like we have it all together and that we don't, we don't ever mess up, that there's something about coming into God's presence and just taking ownership of the sin in our lives. You know, there's something about seasons of prayer and fasting where we come face to face with our sin. And you're like, that's terrifying. I'm not gonna pray and fast. No, it's actually more terrifying to try to keep covering your sin and hiding from it. Hiding from God, hiding from your community that the, that the enemy knows that if, if we'll try to hide our sin, man, he thinks that, that we can just cover it up and go past it, but, the God, but God knows that if we'll bring our sin to him, he'll heal us, he'll set us free. You know, there's, a, there, there's some of us, man, we come in here and we've just been weighed down by sin. In the season of prayer and fasting we're gonna step into, it's gonna set, God's gonna set you free like you never thought possible. Just try it. And I love this because God, the very next verse, God doesn't say, you're right, Moses, I'm done with you. And that's our fear, right? We're, we're fearful that when we sin, that, that we've done too much, that, that God's done with us or that our community's done with us, that they really knew what we did, that, that they would want nothing to do with us. And the reality is that we're all sinners and we're all sitting here with our own stuff. And, and if we only just let each other in, there would be such compassion and mercy and strength and, and power that comes through it. And I love this because God demonstrates what happens when we come honestly into his presence, owning our sin, not deflecting it, not running from it, owning it. The third thing that happens in this season of prayer and fasting is that Moses got to enter into covenant with Yahweh. Number three, he entered into covenant with Yahweh. I love verse 10, literally the very next verse after he confessed his sin. This is how the Lord responds. I'm making a covenant with you. That is so powerful, guys. You know, in our world, we don't speak covenant, we speak contract. You know, a, a contract is this binding agreement. It's not a casual thing. You get into a contract or, or in, in this time, you get into covenant when, when you're looking to, to stay, when you're looking for consistency, when you're looking for, for permanency in our world, in our day, man, you, you, you get into a contract when it's gonna benefit you, right? You get into contract when your landlord is still offering you know, the prices from 2008. He doesn't realize that it's 2022 and that he can make a whole lot more money and you are eager to sign a three-year deal, right? Or, 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 or you're, you're eager to get into a contract on your, on your new house when the interest rates are low. And we're, we're eager to step into contracts when it benefits us. And this is what's so crazy. There is nothing about God stepping into covenant that benefits God in the slightest. <laughs> What does God get by stepping into covenant with us? With me, man, he gets someone who's just unpredictable. Sometimes in, sometimes out. Sometimes kind, sometimes not so kind. Sometimes generous, sometimes stingy. Sometimes a servant, sometimes selfish. I'm going, what in the world is, does God even want in us? Like, and, and for us to see that, that God initiates this that we would think that Moses would be the one going, God, can I get in a relationship with you? And it's God that initiates it with Moses. He comes to him and says, I wanna be in the deepest binding relationship with you as possible. And Moses is like, wait, I just confess sin to you. I know, I want you. It's the kind of God that we have. We come into his presence with, with honesty and vulnerability about our struggles and our sin, and he doesn't pull further away. What does he do? He comes closer. 
He doesn't hang you out to dry. He doesn't leave you. He, he moves closer because he knows that when you're struggling, you don't need less of him. You need more of him. More of his heart, more of his love. The solution to your sin isn't to go get it figured out on your own. It's to come closer to the God of the universe who will fill your heart with love and discipline and power. And I love this because Moses on the mountain steps into this covenant. And through Jesus, we step into covenant. You know, I love when Jesus, when, when he came onto this earth, when he started his earthly ministry, you know, for three years, pouring out his love and his grace. And I love that the very night before he died, he's sitting around the table and, 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 what, and, and he breaks the bread and he drinks the cup and he says, this is a new covenant. He offers his covenant. The, the night before, every one of them will betray him. Think about that. He doesn't come to them when they've been walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, walking every morning, waking up, reading the Bible and, 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 and living just this generous life. He comes and he offers covenant the night before they're all gonna fail him, which means that we need covenant. It benefits us way more than it benefits God. Through Jesus, we're offered this, this new covenant. Through Jesus, because of Jesus, we're, we're offered the forgiveness of our sins. And I don't know how often you think about that, but man, I, I try to just like re recycle that as much as I can in my heart and my mind to go, man, the, 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 the sins of my past are forgiven by God. And I'm not telling you to replay all your sinful moments that you hate, but to really think about the, the fact that God hasn't just overlooked them, but he's forgiven them. He knows about them. He's chosen through Jesus to cover your sin with his mercy. Through Jesus, man, we step into to, to this relationship that's eternal. This covenant with the Father and the Son and the Spirit, that, that we receive the Spirit to help us every single day, every single moment, that, that through Jesus we enter into this covenant that, that will go on into the next age, that when Christ returns, that when the dead are raised, when we are judged in front of God, that those who are covered in Jesus' blood, those who have given our lives, who have faith in Jesus, will, will spend the rest of our lives with him, dwelling with him, serving him, enjoying him, being the beneficiaries of all of his goodness, all of his riches, all of his kindness, that, that this covenant is eternal. It does not end this side of heaven. That God is offering us all of his possessions, all of his heart, everything that he has, everything that he is, he's offering us covenant. And it comes right on the cusp of confession of sin. The fourth thing that we see, we're almost done. The season of prayer and fasting is that Moses became more like Christ. I love this, verses 29 through 31. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. And when Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him and he spoke to them. And I love this. Anytime in scripture, an angel of God appears to people. They're absolutely terrified. It's not this moment of like, oh, I'm so glad that you came. It's like, get away from me. In fact, the, the beginning of this story, before Moses came to the mountain, God says, tell no one to come up this mountain. If they see me, they will die. It's like, whoa, that's intense. 
And what, what's happening here is, is that there's something about the presence of God that, that is terrifying here. And I don't want us to, to go, man, we've got to be terrified of the presence of God. That's not the place that we live in right now. It's not the, because of Jesus. We don't live in this place of being terrified of him. What I want to, the, the point that I'm trying to make is that, is that the same thing that was true about God then became true about Moses. That his, his face had become radiant. That there was the, 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 the fear uh, 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 that, that was in the hearts of men towards God was in the hearts toward Moses. Here's what I want us to see. It was clear that Moses had been with God. Something visible had happened. You know, when you're around someone for a long time, man, isn't it, isn't it true that, that, that you start to talk like them and think like them? You know, when, when we spend time with, with our family, my wife gets way more Southern. Like there's something that happens, like her just draw comes back and, and, and there's something that happens when, 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 when you're with someone for a long period of time. Think about a road trip that you've gone on and you develop all these inside jokes and these language and, and, and or you think about your, your, your time in college, you think about your, your roommate that you live with right now and is it true that the more you spend time with people, the more you become like them, the more that you have insider language and, and the same is true with God, that the more you spend time with God, the more you look like God. The more you sound like God, the more you think like God, the more you care about the things that God cares about, that the same thing that's true of here of Moses, that he spent time in God's presence and it was visible for all to see, the same is true today. Like when Noah spends time with God, his face isn't radiant, we're not terrified of him, but isn't it true? You know, you know when someone has been with God. Like when someone has, has spent a long season of just intently putting their heart in God's life, you can tell. I think about a lady that lives in our neighborhood. This woman is so unbelievably kind. You know, every kid that we had, she showed up and she would drop this huge meal and she would bring diapers and just so unbelievably thoughtful. So, you know, we, we got to spend time with her and her husband. She's so patient. So servant-hearted, just this, this amazing woman. I remember having this conversation with her one time and she starts to tell me about her, her morning routine. She says, yeah, every morning, if I don't get two to three hours with God, it's not a good day. And I'm like, what? And then I took a step back after feeling like, you know, lightweight, a little featherweight and, and go, oh man, it's, I can see that. And we all know this to be true. When you spend time with Christ, you look more like him. There's no substitute. You can pretend all you want. You can, you can fake it all you want, but there's no substitute for actually being in God's presence. That the only way you become more like God is when you dwell in his presence. And the fifth thing that we see, the final thing that we see, and I love this point, it's so beautiful. Fifth thing that happened in the season of prayer and fasting is that clarity came for his community. The clarity came for Moses' community. You know, on the mountain, he received the commands of God, the 10 commandments. And I don't know how you perceive the Ten Commandments, but the Israelites up to this point had been living in slavery for 400 years. All they knew was work. All they knew was productivity. All they knew was harsh overseers and a ruthless dictator. It was, you didn't matter. Your name didn't matter. Didn't care about what you wanted. Your life was all about producing for someone else. It was work, 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 work. No rest, no fun. Work, 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 work. It's what your parents did and your grandparents did. It's what your kids were going to do. All you knew was productivity. 
And Moses finds himself up on the mountain with God and God gives him the commands. And I love it because the commands weren't meant, they did not come from this ruthless dictator who needed productivity from his people. He was teaching his, how, his kids how to live. The commands of God were all about their flourishing. It was teaching his people how to be faithful to a leader, to not be begrudgingly you know, against the leader, to not hate the leader, but, but to love the leader, to love God. You know, the commands of God were, you think about the 10 commandments, that, that, that one of the, the 10 things that God told his people is, I want you to Sabbath. Think about that. God says, I want you to take one day a week where you do not work, where you just rest. Could you imagine coming down and going, wait, God wants us to rest? Yeah. Or you think about some of the other commands. They, they were all about flourishing the community. God says, don't murder. Why? Man, because I'm, I'm sure when you murder someone, you got all kinds of regret. And you take away life. Someone that, that other people love. It says, don't envy people. Think about it, the, the moments in your life where, where you're not content with what you have, with your things, your situation, your job, your clothes, where you're wanting other people. Isn't it miserable? And I love this. God says, don't lie to each other. The commands that come on this mountain bless the people. It's a season of prayer and fasting. Yeah, it, it was a blessing to Moses. But the blessing that came from this one individual who prayed and fasted flowed to his community. Don't overlook this. The commandments, God, the flourishing, the rewiring of hearts, the encouragement came to the community because Moses was on the mountain with God. One of the things that I've seen in just seasons of fasting and prayer at Ethos because I've just kind of noticed an increase of encouragement <laughs> that in these seasons that there's something about like us just in general when we pray and we seek the God and we seek the Lord that that it blesses it encourages there's just more encouraging words that comes out of our mouth I've noticed in our seasons of prayer and fasting that 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 more people reach out and pray for me and it just seems to be so timely <laughs> that there seems to be this increase in faith and noticing what God's doing all around us. And I go, guys, what happens when you fast so often, the blessings don't just stop with you, they flow through you to the people around you. I was thinking about many years ago, I think it was 2019, that in the middle of our fast, every Sunday we would just take time and invite people to just testify. I remember Abigail sharing one Sunday. She was walking her dog one day and her dog got loose she went to chase after dogs, she finally got it, and she gets back to her apartment and she's about to go in and one of her students saw her and, and let her in on some just hard things that were going on in her home life, some abuse. This girl's running away from home and she just happened to see this, this woman chasing her dog that she recognized, one of the teachers in her school. And I remember Abigail standing up and testifying, saying, I don't know if I would have recognized it's been in the, the moment to see what God was doing had I not been seeking the Lord through prayer and fasting. So often when we, when we humble ourselves and we seek the Lord, the blessings don't just stop with us, they flow through us to our community. 
You know, this text, this, this story, it's not a conditional teaching on fasting. I, I hope I, don't, I didn't paint it in this picture today that, man, if you fast, you're gonna get all these things. <laughs> and in fact, this, this text doesn't speak to a lot of the questions I have around fasting. Like, do Christians have to fast? What's the purpose of fasting? What's the right way to fast? Why is it so hard? And next week, we're gonna just jump into tackling these questions. But today, what I want us to do, I want us to take communion and to process for a few minutes. So each week, we, we gather up with the people around us and we eat a piece of bread, we drink a cup of juice, and we do this to remember Jesus, to thank him for covering us, forgiving us, sharing his inheritance with us. But we also understand that communal has a, a horizontal aspect to it. It's not just this vertical. It's not just between us and God. It's between the community. And so I want to encourage you this morning as you're taking communion to wrestle with this question. Man, if, if you were to enter into this season of prayer and fasting with us at Ethos, what is something you'd be seeking? If you're being really honest, is it closeness with Yahweh? And is it, is it cleansing and forgiveness of sin? Is it, man, you desire to be in deeper covenant with Yahweh? to renew covenant, to renew your commitment, to be more all in with God? Is it, is it to become more like Christ? Or is it, man, I'm, I'm looking for blessing to flow to my community. So here's what I want us to do. It could be one of these things. It could be all these things. It could be something different. But I want us to take the next five or six minutes and with the people around you just to circle your chairs and just to process this, answer this question. If you don't like this question, ask a better question to the people that you're taking communion with and process it. But what I want us to do is to begin to start thinking, to wetting the appetites of our heart to step into the season of prayer and fasting. So I'll give us five or six minutes. Caleb will play some music and then I'll get back up and we'll transition us out um, to a little bit more worship before we leave this place. And so let's take the next five or six minutes with the people we're gathered with. Let's process this, take the bread, take the juice and I'll get back up and call us back in a few minutes. God, open our eyes even more. I pray that as we worship, let these, let these words come from just really grateful hearts and keep touching, keep moving us, God. Help us to, you know, if there are things that we need to step into right now, God, let's not wait another eight days. Let us start now, God. And so call us deeper right now. Move in this place. We love you, Jesus. It's all because of you. This is all for you. We are your church. We are here because of you. You're our leader and our king, and we love that you reign over us. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Let's worship.